You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks, and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Everybody, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. We're back again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boy, I just thought of a 90s rap in my head. Check it, wreck it, let's begin. Hartman, party on, party people. Let's make some noise. <laughs> yeah. Jump, jump, jump I, around I, with the Backstreet Boys. That's my language. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I know that's your love language, so. Yeah, it's getting, getting a little <laughs> off there. So much, it, so. It went astray. There's so much <laughs> space in my heart and mind taken up by 90s hip hop. Yeah. It will be one of the things burned off, I'm sure, in glory. In glory, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I wasn't really into hip hop. And then I was more. Yeah, you were uh, grunge. Kind of hard rock grunge. That was. Punk. Yeah. yeah the Seattle scene. That was, yep, mm-hmm. that was that was my well, that was my jam. There might be less to burn off there. Yeah, I judged the kids who were into hip hop. <laughs> I know all the did. white kids in my high school who were yeah who were, who were into hip hop. I was like, nah, it's anyway. It's okay, was, man. Yeah, Pearl Jam versus Belle Biv DeVoe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, hey, who, <laughs> last, who lasted longer? <laughs> I'll um, just say that. Yeah, yeah Pearl Jam. <laughs> they are they're pretty great. Uh, we are in a series talking about uh, power. And how we relate to power as Christians, as Christian leaders, we're in a cultural moment mm. where we can no longer ignore that our relationship to power has at best been complicated and confused, and at worst been exploitative and abusive. Hmm. And so we want to take seriously, at Gravity Leadership, we started Gravity Leadership to sink our center of our leadership and authority, not in 
coercive, controlling, violent power, but in the cruciform, canonic, there's two Greek words already three minutes into our, our podcast, the, the cross-shaped, <laughs> self-emptying love of God revealed in Jesus. And we're having different people on who can teach us about that, and we're convening these conversations to learn together about it. And today, we are joined by Keith Giles. Keith, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Matt, Ben, and Ben. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you guys. This is really cool. Yes. Will you give us a brief introduction where you're at in the world and what you spend most of your time doing? Give us, give our listeners an intro to who you are. Well, um, so yeah. Hi, my name is Keith Giles. Um, I'm an author. I've written several books. I have a new one coming out, Jesus Unveiled, which is looking at the sort of New Testament model of church, which I think is kind of what we're going to get into in the conversation. Um I, uh, for the last 11 years or so, as a formerly licensed ordained pastor, I, I was uh, involved with churches in like, you know, different capacities for like 28 years. Hmm. But for the last 11 years, uh, I walked away from that. And my wife and I started a, a church that meets in homes and gives away all the offering to the poor in the community. And we are practicing much more of the kind of things I think, again, we're going to talk about yeah. in this podcast about uh, leadership that isn't hierarchical. But it's, um, it's more of a, a shared thing. Well, we're all submitted. It's hierarchical in the sense that Christ is our, is our senior pastor, but the yes, rest yeah. of us are brothers and sisters and practicing the priesthood of believers and that kind of a thing. And so we did that in Southern California for a very long time. And then we just a few months ago moved to Meridian, Idaho, which is where I am now. Wow. And yeah, we're, we've just started a house church group here, maybe possibly starting a second one. Great. And, um, but there's also a really good chance that I'm going to be eventually going to Shanghai, China, uh, in August for two years, but that's a whole other conversation. We don't need to oh, get into wow. that. Did you, uh, did you win a raffle? Did you, is it a multi-level <laughs> marketing scheme that you're getting on board early? What, what's, why are you going there? No, uh, I have a friend who works for, um, it's the oldest, uh, private, international school in China. It's been there 85 years. It's uh, YCIS and they need a, they're looking for basically a chaplain um, <laughs> position. It's like got the actual title, but um, anyway, it's serving their K through 12 schools in uh, Shanghai and mm. um, also doing, taking tr mission trips with some of the kids over to the Philippines mm. where they're building schools there as well. So right. yeah, it's going to be, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Right. We have I, I've heard, I've heard Keith that Idaho and Shanghai are basically the same city. Basically, that it's, 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 it's kind of a, the same place. Meridian, Idaho, and Shanghai are. <laughs> there is probably not much of a learning not, curve at all. Yeah. Well, let me let me let me say though, um, having lived in, I, I'm not from California, right? So I was born in Tennessee, raised in Texas, but then I moved like 20, 25 years ago, moved to California. It's where my wife and I started our family. We lived there 25 years, right? Mm. And then in October, we moved to Idaho. And I, I feel like I have already moved to another country. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so, the culture here is so different. Um, it is odd. It's very weird. So, so the idea of sort of them now moving to Shanghai doesn't feel such a stretch. It's sort of like, I feel like I've already left. I sold half of the stuff I own. Yeah. Uh, I've already... I've already said goodbye to everybody I love and know, and my even my my two sons back in they're still going to college, finishing college back in California, and wow. I don't know anybody here. We're just beginning to make you know friends and getting to, to connections here. So I already kind of feel like um, I've done something similar, hmm. you know. Hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I would love maybe by way of telling your story, uh, you were you were a denominational pastor, probably on the mm-hmm. uh, the fast rocket up the uh, pastoral ladder, right? Going to become you know a big deal somewhere, <laughs> and you decided to leave that and start doing house churches. Can you just share about how that dream, how that vision came to be, why you've done that? Right. Yeah. So my wife and I. Um, in California, we, with some friends of ours, the first time we'd ever done anything like this, we helped, it was was like us and three other couples. And we, we planted a church from scratch and we'd never done that before. I'd never been a part of a plant, church plant before. And uh, it's an exciting thing, you know, like you start meeting in people's living rooms and everybody, it's all undefined. And we're all together as the church talking and discussing, well, what should we do about this? And how should we reach the community? And what do we want to do about this or that? And it was, it was amazing. It was exciting and really, really cool. And uh, we loved it. Did it for three and a half years. So I was the children, well, my wife and I together, we were children's pastors and compassion ministry pastors. And that was basically serving the poor in the community there. And whenever we could, we would cross those streams. We would have the kids from our um, first to fifth grade classes come with us whenever we would go and serve like at a senior home, or we would go and serve the poor uh, living in motels or things like that. Um, we tried to make it so that the, the kids got to experience this as well. Hmm. And we loved it, L- really loved it. Uh, I don't know if I'd say I was on the fast track for anything <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the ministry, but um, but we loved doing that. And um, so, <clears throat> so after about like doing that for about close to the three year mark, um, I read this article and I'm happy to share it with anybody who would like to read it. Uh, I read this article, I came across it somehow online. It's a guy named Ray Mayhew. And uh, it's a little PDF, like a 35, 40 page uh, article that he wrote called, the title's epic. The title was Embezzlement, the Corporate Sin of American Christianity. Oh, Yeah, it's, so so what he does, he basically, it's it's, it's powerful. So basically what he does, he starts, it's church history. He just basically starts with the book of Acts and he follows church history all the way through, all, you know, all the way up to, through Constantine and documents how, one of the primary ways the church grew and the primary ways the church expressed the gospel was by caring for the poor around them, uh, caring for widows and orphans, you know, burying the dead of even the, the pagans and all this stuff and the impact it had uh, on the gospel and on the growth of the church. And so we were already, that was our heartbeat already. And so Wendy and I really felt like that point that God was calling us to plant a church uh, and we really felt like that it would be a church that would give away all the offering to the poor and we wouldn't keep any money for ourselves. And we were really excited about that. And, um, but the only way to pull that off was if we met in people's homes and I went and got a real job <laughs> in the real world. Um, what did you and do? I didn't take that word. What did you do? Sorry? Well, yeah. What, what was your real job? What was your bivocational occupation? So yeah, what I ended up doing, it took us a year to figure that part out. So for a year I was, doing temporary work and I was unemployed at the, the first year of our house church, um, which also was actually kind of, kind of cool. But uh, I en- ended up going back to work for a company I'd worked for previously called Ingram Micro and they're a huge technology. They're actually not, not a huge, they're the hugest global technology distributor on the planet. And um, they had an in-house marketing agency. So I was a copywriter for them and I did that for, I worked for them for 10 years okay. uh, as a copywriter, advertising, marketing, copywriter. Yeah. Great. So um, maybe maybe as a way then into our, our theme here, 
What were some of the convictions about leadership and authority and power that informed this commitment you made to lead a house church, serve the poor, and have less of a hierarchical power understanding and more of a mutuality power understanding? Help help talk us through that. Yeah, that's really great. I It's honestly difficult for me to put my finger on what led me to the conclusion that the house church we were going to start um, wasn't going to be hierarchical because I'm I mean, I, had, I read a couple of books on house church. Someone let me borrow a couple of books. One was Wolfgang Simpson's uh, Houses That Changed the World. And then the other one was uh, Robert and Julia Bates, tr- a book called uh, The Church Comes Home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's probably between those two books. I think that's probably where the, the seed was planted in my mind okay. that a house church uh, should follow the directive of Jesus when he spoke to the, disi- the disciples and said, first he pointed to um a religious hierarchy. He said, you know, the Pharisees, right? The, the rulers uh, of, the, of the Jews um, lorded over them. Not so with you. And then another place, he points to the hierarchical leadership of the, uh, of the pagans. And he says, the pagans, the leaders of the pagans lorded over them. Not so with you. So it was a very strong, you know, no, we're not in the, in the body of Christ. We're not going to follow that pattern. So at any rate, that was my goal, but I got to say uh, it probably took, we, we did that, like I said, we did that house church thing for for like 10 years, 11, sorry, 11 years. We did it for 11 years uh, in, in um, Southern California, but it probably took at least the first four to five years to really completely um, reinforce the idea that we were not a hierarchy. So in other words, in the beginning, my goal was I'm not the pastor of this church, right? That, in my mind, that was my goal. But then one of the things I realized early on was that anytime anybody had a Bible question, everybody would look at me <laughs> right. and say, what do you think, Keith? Mm-hmm. And I was more than happy to show them how smart I was yeah. <laughs> um, and answer the question. Yeah. yeah. And um, But eventually the Lord, the Holy Spirit just kind of kept nudging me and finally just said, stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. So you know, I started just like when people would look at me, I would just say, I don't know. What do you think? Mm. And I would wait. I shut my mouth. Um, so anyway, it was, in other words, it was a process. And when I coach people on, on leading house church groups like this, uh, that's one of the main things I talk about is it's, if you're going to, if you're going to facilitate, if you're going to start one of, one of these kind of groups in your home or whatever, um, the list is longer of the things you don't do mm. than what you do. Sure. It's mostly like you don't, don't set the agenda. Don't do all the talking. Don't do all the teaching. Um, you know, don't do all the things that you were in your mind. You think you're supposed to do. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is don't, don't dominate. Don't be the sinner. Uh, don't teach people to depend on you for answers and advice and direction, et cetera. Yeah. 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 My, my friend, Neil Cole, uh, puts it this way. He says, you should not be the Bible answer, man. You should be the Bible question, man. Mm. So if anything, you should not be the one answering questions. You should be the one asking the questions and then sitting back. Mm. Yeah, Keith, it's almost like people want a transactional relationship with their pastor where the the person there's got to be a person in charge and that person has to distribute religious wisdom. They have to distribute mm. guidance. They have to distribute answers. They have to distribute pastoral care, all of these different things. And, and what you're saying is one of the habits that you started doing was you just stopped allowing that transactional relationship to happen. 
Mm. Yes, uh, I, I would I, literally, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, keep, go ahead, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, so one of the things I, I would do, one of my practices was, uh, especially early on, um, we would usually begin with some kind of worship, singing songs together or whatever. And, and often I'd be the one playing the guitar for that. So I kind of had to be in the room for that. But mm. once that was finished, I would literally put down the guitar and I would leave the room. And I would not walk back in the room until I heard them talking to one another <laughs> and sharing with one another. Yeah, and then I would come great. and sit at the back of the room. Yeah. Um, because that was the only way, like I had to remove myself. And then and quite often because we rotated locations and also because we were doing a motel church at the same time, hmm. Uh, like once a month, we were on a rotation to help uh, with this motel church we started. Um, so, so once a month, I wasn't even there, mm. you know, because we were we were volunteering at the motel church. So, those kind of things. But it took a long time to break that dependency and that expectation that we have been given yeah. uh, within within modern Christianity that um, that that's what should happen. So, in other words, it's not a spectator sport. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not you don't come and sit and and just get fed. Um, you bring your Bible and you bring something to share. Um, we always use the model of like, it's like a potluck that invited you to a potluck. I've invited all, all you guys, Hey, come to my house for a potluck this weekend. But when you showed up, you know, like, you know, maybe Ben, you brought, uh, a half a box of saltines mm. and Matt, you brought like some half eaten jello and you Ben, <laughs> you brought like a sandwich. We would, we would have a pretty lame potluck, right? Yep, right. Yep. But if every one of you like went out of your way that week and thought hard about it, like, oh, well, you know, what can I bring that's going to really like something really awesome? And I can't wait to like pull back the foil on this thing and, and let everybody smell it and go, oh, I can't wait to dig into that. That looks so good. We are going to have the best potluck ever. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's a metaphor for the way the way house church should work, mm-hmm. where every one of us is a member of the priesthood of all believers. Every one of us is sharing our experience of Christ with one another Mm. with the intention of not drawing attention to ourselves, but of being a blessing to everybody else in the body. Yeah, that's good. I've actually been to that potluck because I've done a lot of house churches with college students. So (laughs) I've actually been to the one where somebody brought the saltines. I brought a potato chip. You can confirm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, I brought two Taco Bells. uh, (laughs) Soft soft shell. Yeah. 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 So I hear a couple things, Keith, that I think are important. Like one is you have, you went like you had, you (laughs) to break the addiction to Keith, you had to go cold Turkey. Like Mm -hmm. you had to sort of disrupt the way the system worked in a jarring, disorienting way to help reorient people into bringing, bringing all that they had to share with each other. Um, and I also heard you say, and this is something we train people to do. We we have uh, cohorts like leadership cohorts, and we train people to go from being the person who has all the answers and advice to every problem and question you have to learning how to teach like de- uh, like Jesus taught, which is, you know, the, he loved to ask questions. In fact, it was his, one of his primary ways he taught was to question people's questions and to question yep. people's desires and things like that. Um, uh, one of the costs, though, that comes from going from being the answer person or the advice person to the question person is that you lose, you, you lose control of what happens. Mm. Yes. You, you know, that's longer. actually okay. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about why that's okay. Why? why is it okay? I mean, you talk about this in Jesus unveiled. Keith. How is it okay? <laughs> Keith, you must answer right now. <laughs> no. Uh, let me ask you a question. Keith, why is that okay? Like, how, how can that be okay when everything has taught me yeah. what it means to lead is to assure that 
my gentle, benign, benevolent, Jesus-soaked uh, control is what needs to happen. Mm. Well, here's what I experienced. Um, you can have you can have two, you can have it one way or the other. You can have a church where everybody sits at the feet of Keith. And they just are marveling at my wisdom and my inside and, oh, you're so great. Um, but then that's all they're going to get is whatever I got. Mm-hmm. Or um, I can, again, just back out and, and I can encourage everybody. I can say, you know what? We're going to gather around Christ. We're all going to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're going to let Jesus, who we are here for, this is why we're together. Mm-hmm. We're going to actually listen to him. We're going to trust that he will show up. That actually he doesn't need to show up. He's already here. But what we need to do is get out of his way and let him lead us. So now, because now I'm not setting the agenda, I don't know what's going to happen because I'm not controlling that. Um, so it's a little scary. So and sometimes there's chaos. And sometimes I'll be very honest. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, after, after that meeting was over and everyone went home, I would turn to my wife, Wendy, and say, I really didn't like that. I, I didn't enjoy that. But you know what? That's okay because... What I learned was if I didn't happen to enjoy what happened that day, that's okay. You know what? It wasn't for me mm. because what I, what I also learned to do was to look around the room and to notice some people were being very, very blessed by what was happening. Not me, but that's okay. It wasn't about me. And mm. so it's learning to let it not be about me. Number one, mm. number two, learning to honestly, and this is the scariest, scariest thing for most of us to honestly take your hands off the steering wheel and allow the Holy spirit to actually lead the meeting. Jesus. And, and if you feel like it's going somewhere you don't like, you don't put your hands on it and pull it back. You just say, okay, God, I'm going to let this go. Now, it doesn't mean you allow, it doesn't mean you allow people to be abusive. Right. You don't allow people to, to dominate the conversation or to put other people down. So as a facilitator, yes, you do need to step in once in a while and say, mm. hey, brother, um, I, I love what you're saying, but we've heard from you a lot today. I think there's some other people that have other things you know, that haven't shared yet. Let's hear from them. For mm. a little bit, right? So you might want to need something like that. But overall... All of the most amazing, profound, and beautiful things we ever experienced in our house church came when I wasn't controlling it. And when mm. I sat back and I allowed the Holy Spirit to lead the meeting. Yeah. And at the end, we all went, we all just looked at each other and said, that was amazing. Mm. <laughs> because yeah. none of us made that happen. You know? Right. So there has to be a trust that God is present and at work in the midst of the church, right? That that I yes. don't I don't create like God. I'm not controlling the presence of God through my, you know, sermons or my setting of the agenda. That God is already present at work, um, but that also doesn't mean that I I fail to be a leader, right? Because I, I think those are the right. two ditches that we oftentimes, in our imaginations, it's I can either lead, which means I control things and mm-hmm. set the agenda and make things happen, or the only other alternative is chaos reigns because I'm I'm <laughs> just gonna I'm not gonna do anything, right? But what I hear you right. saying is, no, the leader does something, but it's less of a controlling uh, of the space and a setting of the agenda, and it's more of an opening up of a certain kind of space, right? Yeah. And so, you know, with your, like, yeah, sometimes you have to tell somebody, like, hey, we've heard enough from you. Like, let's let somebody else yeah. talk. That's an act of leadership, right? It's not mm-hmm. controlling, but it's, it's, trying to main, it's trying to hold open a certain kind of space where people feel safe enough to share the things that the Lord has put on their hearts. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, so in other words, what, what I'm doing, um, and by the way, I shouldn't be the only one doing that, but, um, but right. what I'm Good doing, yeah. what I'm doing is I'm protecting 
Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, share, the stated and shared intention of everyone in the room, which is to hear from Christ. And so if I see that there are things happening that are preventing that from happening, we're getting off track, we're getting off focus, something else or someone else is becoming our focus and not Christ, then my, my role is to pull us back and to bring us back to Christ and to allow the Spirit to lead Good. us more. Yeah. Yeah. So, Harp, yeah, you definitely do need to do that. Yeah, Hartman, I wonder if you can speak to this, because I th- here's what I think. I think our imaginations, Keith, we have an imagination for being sort of a very benevolent, heavy-handed, top-down leader, right? Or being a passive, checked-out, whatever-happens-happens leader. But mm-hmm. this this presence of being with people, empowering them, but still owning some kind of authority to steward and cultivate space, it feels like this like ridiculously abstract, how the bleep do I do that kind of thing mm. that we just don't have an imagination for. So, um, and I don't know, Hartman, can you relate to that? Like, I, like I, that's what I hear from leaders all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think, I think that's the trap that we fall into is, is, is this idea of I completely just check out because I don't know how to lead correctly. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times what we notice with leaders is, is we jump from those ditches to ditches, but a lot of it is influenced by how we've been led in the past. And so if I've been led by a controlling leader, then oftentimes what I do is I don't want to be that guy. So I just go passive and I don't lead at all. Mm -hmm. Or if I've been in an environment where there's a passive leader and it drove me crazy because I want to get something done or because I feel like the Lord's got us, got a got is calling us to do something yeah. right not just sit around all the time then i i jump to that other ditch and and it's as mm. if we don't have an imagination so the only way i notice through this imagination keith i would love to hear from you but it's just to look at the life of jesus repeatedly and to look at how jesus didn't jump from those two ditches mm. uh he he lived in grace and truth he was full of grace and truth um he used his power and authority often um, but yielded it in a way that was honoring, um, in a way that was um, lifting it up others and equipping others. And so, uh, Keith, how, how do you stir up an imagination for this type of leadership? Yeah, give us practices or a story where we can begin to inhabit this if, if we are being cut to the heart right now. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I have a little bit of an example uh, of something that happened when I started doing this more often, where I was like, pull back, I wouldn't answer all the questions, I didn't do all the talking. Um, and I'll talk a little bit, remind me, put a pin in this, because I want to talk about some of the some of the things that I noticed about myself that I worked on. Hmm. Uh, but, but let me tell the story. So we were sitting around, um, there were several families there with kids, we had, at the beginning, we had a lot of kids. And um, and again, I, I didn't tell anybody, I don't, I don't tell people what to bring or another or what to talk about. I just say, hey, pray about it during the week, share whatever the Lord gives you, a testimony, a scripture, something he's teaching you, something you're learning, whatever it is. So again, the bottom line is something that, that edifies each of us and helps each of us in our own walk with Christ. So that's the instruction I give people, hmm. right? This is what I want you to do. The goal is for each of us to have an opportunity to share. You don't have to share. We're not going to force you to do it. Mm-hmm. Or you, have, you have freedom and space to come and share whatever it is the Lord has given you and putting on your heart that again, whatever it is, it's not a sermon. You're not going to, it's not your, you're not going to give a speech. You know, it's not your pet theology, whatever it is. It's not that 
It's something that genuinely blesses us and helps us to grow in Christ. So people are doing that now. They're starting to come and, and to share those kinds of things. I'm shutting my mouth. I'm leaning back. I'm just letting those things happen. And so this one particular uh, gathering, uh, this is one of the first ones I can remember this really happening. So one sister starts to, she reads a scripture that she this has been in my heart this week and she just reads it. And then she talks about what it, how it spoke to her and how it blessed her, right? And then another brother will say, well, this week I was driving in my car and I was talking to God and he brought this up in my mind and I started wrestling with this. I feel like this is what God was saying to me. Okay, then another person starts sharing and they share another testimony, right? And we're going around the room and this is happening. And I'm just watching this happen. And the teenage son of one of the other families there is sitting next to me in a rocking chair. And he's watching this too. And he kind of leans over to me and he whispers to me and he goes, he goes, Keith, do you notice how everything everybody is sharing has something to do with forgiveness? Hmm. And I said, yeah, isn't that cool? I said, who do you think told them to do that? And he thought about it for a second and he said, Jesus? I go, yeah, isn't that awesome? And so I got to see other people, especially young people, experience this for the first time and go, how is this happening, hmm. right? Who told these people? Now, now here's the thing. Here's the difference in what we're talking about. I could have very easily sent an email to everybody that Monday and said, hey, everybody, I would like for you to come and bring and share something about, about forgiveness this hmm. week. And that would have been fine. But because I didn't do that, because I left it open-ended, and we now start to notice that what was it that the Holy Spirit spoke to each of us separately about, and now we see a theme coming. Hey, you know what? We can stop and acknowledge, Jesus, we hear you. We hear that you're saying that we need to deal with forgiveness. Mm. And so we're going to stop now and pray about this and acknowledge this and, and, and recognize now the Holy Spirit and Jesus is pastoring us. Mm. He knew what we needed to hear about. And he knew what he wanted us to talk about together that day. Mm. And that's so much more powerful. That's so much more beautiful, right, and impactful. So once you start experiencing those kinds of meetings, it's addictive. You become like, I want to do that again. Yes. I want to keep putting myself in a position where the Holy Spirit can do those kinds of things in our, in our gatherings. Mm. And we are more and more aware of the fact that, holy cow, if we invite him to lead us and we get out of his way and we, we don't set an agenda ahead of time, yeah. he really will. He'll do it if we let him and he'll do it more and more the more that we allow him to do that. Yeah. Man, we can we need to reflect back some things here because there's some really key practices that you're doing, Keith. This is you know, you probably know this. Maybe you maybe you're like me. I don't know the things I'm unconsciously competent at until somebody tells me. <laughs> until right. somebody tells yeah. me, wow, that was helpful. And I'm like, really? You, everybody doesn't know that? But like uh right. Har- Harman Strinky, you guys can add to this, but one of the things I hear you saying is um your authority, Keith, is in framing and bracketing what this time is for. So you mm-hmm. create a container yep. that's loose enough to live in and play in, but also has boundaries to it, right? Yep. So you yep. set the boundaries that create, like that, where inside of which life can happen. Now, it's not the boundary of bring a story of forgiveness. I mean, that's small, tight, specific, yeah. but it's also not come and share whatever the heck you want about whatever you want. Right. Exactly. So you, so there's a freedom and form mm-hmm. that you set as a leader, and then the other thing is. Um, and you were able to do this sort of uh, letting somebody else confirm this, but the other thing I heard you say is you're listening as the leader 
for the thread of redemption, new creation, Holy Spirit that that God is doing here, you're right. you're holding open the discernment space to help everyone see, maybe naming so we can see and affirm what God is doing here um, on behalf of the community. Am I hearing you right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it is sort of like creating a sandbox, right? But a sandbox has a border, right? Yeah. It doesn't go, it doesn't cover the whole yard. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it has sand. a border. <laughs> yes, and yeah. that's where you put your sand, and that's yeah, where yeah. you play. Right. Uh, and you try to keep the sand in the sandbox because you know you don't want it to spill out too much. You know, I don't, I don't want to press the metaphor too far, but right. you know, no, you you basically you're right. It's you're trying to create. Uh, what we do is we try to create a space where we define the parameters. What are we doing when we come together? When we come together, this is what we're trying to do. And honestly, our 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 formula, our formula if there is a formula, or, or our, our picture, or metaphor, is like First Corinthians twelve. I mean, I go mm-hmm. to that all the time. I think mm-hmm. that is a powerful picture, and First Corinthians fourteen as well. Um, but it's where we even get the idea of a body, yeah. right? When we talk, when we say that a church is a body, well, I would I would submit. I'm sorry, this is this may sound really judgmental or whatever, but I'm yeah. just saying. Look, according to Paul. Here's what a body looks like. It's a body. A church is only a body when it operates like this. The only head is Christ. And the rest of us are, are organs within the body who, are, who have been gifted by the, by the spirit, right? Empowered by the head with certain gifts to minister to one another, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is the point and purpose of the gift. Um, not to elevate me, not to make me look good, but to bless somebody else in the body. And if we're operating like that, if uh, so, like a minute at the beginning of this interview, you, we, we were talking about, you know, this picture that we feel like uh, we have this, we have this mindset when we think of leadership and pastors and that kind of a thing that, that the pastor does the teaching and the ministry and the, you know, this long list of things. Well, you know, it's funny. So you go to first Corinthians 12 and you see all those things listed. They're not all for one person. They're for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think personally, this is why I think a lot of pastors in the traditional setting burn out because it's like mm-hmm. you have this, it's like you're holding a pyramid on your shoulders and you're trying to carry the ministry and the weight of the entire church on one person. Yes. And that is like, nope, that is absolutely not the design that, that we have been given. That yeah. is not the way it's supposed to work. Everybody, one person doesn't do everything. Everybody does a little. Yeah. And if everybody mm-hmm. does their little part of it, it's the work, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like I always say, being being a pastor is like being the lower intestines. You you need to be full of crap, (laughs) but you can't be pumping blood too. (laughs) Right. I think if I've said that once, I've said it once, twice. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. What What are you hearing, Ben, as he shares that? Yeah, I I think that one of the challenges of coercive and controlling leadership is we create cultures where only one person can hear from the Father. Mm. Yep. Uh, or at least one, only one person has a platform to share what they're hearing from the Father. Mm-hmm. And so what I hear Keith saying is creating spaces uh, where other people are hearing from the Lord and we're trusting that the same spirit that's in me is in them, that the same mm-hmm. spirit that's working in one of us is working in all of us. Yes. Yes. And there is this power in creating a culture where everyone hears from the father and we trust that the Lord is at work in everyone's life. And there's not one person who has 
um, who like bogarts the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> like I'm the one who controls where yes. I control how the Spirit works. Yes, I control yeah. how the Spirit speaks. I control how the Spirit moves, and I control who the Spirit speaks to. And mm. it's usually only me, yep. right? Uh, and, and so I I see a lot of healthy unhealthy dysfunction that flows out of probably what it is is bad theology, right? Uh, and and a poor understanding of ecclesiology that leads to behaviors and methodology that actually. What, what I hear you saying too, Keith, is it, it doesn't just destroy the body, it destroys the leader as well. It, it's, it oh, does yeah. a bad work in all of us. Yep, yep absolutely. Dude, yeah. what you just said was beautiful. If I could put that in a bottle, mm. that is exactly right. Uh, it's trusting that everybody can hear the voice of the Father just as good as me. Some of them may be better than me. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Giving them all an opportunity to share what the, the same Holy Spirit is saying to them. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and recognizing, oh my gosh, we. And, and so the other part of it is this. One of it, one part of it is that it's 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 acknowledging that and leaving space for everybody and then letting everybody know. I believe mm. all of us can hear from the Spirit, right? Yeah. And some of them already do, and they know that they do. And then, like you said, they just never been given an opportunity to, to share it. So you create a space where it's it's a safe space. That's a huge part of it, by the way. You create a safe space right. yes. for people to do that. But the other part of it is this, and we ran into this early on as well. Helping people recognize because some people either don't hear the spirit or they do. They just don't know that they do. And they don't, cause they don't, they're confused by what do you mean? I don't hear a voice talking to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's pointing out. So we spent some time in the beginning helping people identify their spiritual gifts because we, we were looking at first mm. Corinthians 12 and yeah. each member of the body has been given a certain gift. And we, we, we studied, did a study of spiritual gifts. And I remember one time we just went around the room and I had a notepad and I wrote everybody's name down and we just went around the room. And first we asked people to self-identify like what gifts these, here's a list of spiritual gifts that are called out in the new Testament. We read them all out, discussed them. What are they? How do they work? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So then we went around the room. What, what gifts do you feel like you have? And so some people were like, Oh, I, I think I have a gift of teaching. I have hospitality and I have uh, service. Okay, great. So I wrote, I wrote all these next to them. But as we went around and had that conversation, you also had people that said, I don't think I have any, I don't have a gift. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my gosh, dude, the beautiful thing. Now this only worked because we've been together for, for about a year or so, right? So we had gotten to know one another. And people, other people were like, oh no, no, what are you talking about? You have to get to the exhortation. Remember that time you told that story about the time you were on a business trip and the guy was doing this and you spoke out and you, you know, that's exhortation. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I wrote exhortation. Mm-hmm. Or, so anytime somebody would, so we would also then, if somebody even said, well, I think I've got these two or three gifts, other people would still chime in and say, but you also have the gift of this and this and this. Because so now the body is reflecting back and saying, we've seen you, we've experienced mm-hmm. these gifts yes. that you have. Now, now that I know that I, this is so key, man, this whole picture of the body, it, 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 again, it only works to the degree that we understand our place in the body. The beautiful message of 1 Corinthians 12 and this minute and this this image of the body being these different parts that work together is this. You matter. Mm-hmm. We need you. Yes. No one in this, no one in the church is is superfluous. No one here is like, we don't need you. Yeah. Oh, listen, if my liver stopped working, my entire body would feel it. Yep. Right. Oh gosh, oh, we'd all be in pain, right? Wait, I want my liver back. I need my kidneys <laughs> to work. I don't want my lungs to work. So that's the image. We all need one another. Everyone needs uh, and depends upon the ministry that each person gives to the body. Mm-hmm. So everyone matters. Everyone's important. Everyone's necessary. And when we're all given that space and we are all operating in our gifts the way we were designed to, 
now you've got a healthy, strong, growing body that is submitted to one another Hmm. and is submitted to the head. And now things can happen that you can't even imagine. And trust me, nothing I could ever do as a pastor, you know, coming up with a program or a study series, whatever, would ever accomplish what's going to happen once you align yourself that way uh, as a body under Christ. Hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And and uh, you talk about this in Jesus Unveiled, how that body is also a temple. It's a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so I, I just encourage you, if you're, if you're pricked or excited about what Keith is talking about, um, his book, Jesus Unveiled, comes out soon, right, Keith, in the next month or two? Yeah, it kind of, it keeps moving. I got to talk to my <laughs> publisher. It was supposed to be, <laughs> it was supposed to be, I think, uh, the end of April. I think now it's going to be May. All right, well, okay. uh, get that Get that publisher in line. Whip him in shape, or her in shape. <laughs> yeah, it's um, going to be me. For okay. sure, my mate. Great. Because um, you really lay out the New Testament metaphors and images about how um, God is dwelling now in his people, mm-hmm. and how we can we can actually cooperate with that dwelling, or we can we can quench the dwelling, and depending on how we organize as a body or as a temple. Um, maybe to close, you said put a pin in some of the personal growth you had to go through. Um, and, I, and I'd love to hear that, but it occurred to me as, as Hardman, you were sharing the thing that's in the bottle now with Keith, <laughs> um, you were, sh- <laughs> you were sharing basically like one of the, one of the temptations I have is, man, I'm fully convicted that yes, the body functions like this and this is how the kingdom is, um, is furthered, but boy, do I love being the Oracle. Like, I actually get something out of being the voice of God in my community that I'm not sure I can live without. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, I have to reckon with my own junk because otherwise all my best intentions and all my convictions won't happen because my in my bones, I need something else to happen. I Mm. need to use the church to get my needs met, right? So that's been one of my—that's been a part of my story. Um, Keith, I'm wondering if you—maybe to close this out, you can share, like, how, how does your tell us your story about that? Like, where did you have to grow and repent in order to lead like this? Yeah, so a little bit of my repentance of that part of it. Um, I'm not sure this is exactly what you're saying, but this is the way at least I experienced yeah. some of that. So when I was at the previous church uh, before we left to start the house church, right? So I was I was one of the pastors, and like maybe once every other month, I would get an opportunity to to preach to the whole church from the pulpit. So not very often, but when I did, I really loved it. Because like you said, I get charged up. I love doing that, right? Yeah. I feel like I have a teaching gift. But I started getting convicted um, that I had an unhealthy um, reaction and response to those kinds of things. So, for example, like I was getting way too much personal value and worth and strokes and to my ego uh, after I would preach like I, I needed – I needed mm. people to come up to me and say, oh, good job, brother. Oh, that blessed me so much. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm feeding on it in a little bit in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things that happened was I, I had preached. I, I preached a message that I thought was really good. And I did. I got those strokes. That was nice. But about a month later, we had this traveling evangelist who came in and he'd like a, he did like a weekend uh, conference for us. And his Friday night message, his first message, was essentially exactly what I had preached a month previously. And then I heard people after that um, just raving about how great this guy was. And, oh, my gosh, and they, lit up, they said this, 
I'd never heard those ideas before in my life. It was so <laughs> revolutionary to me. And I'm dying inside going, well, I just preached the exact same thing a month ago, right? Uh, yeah. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me because I was really burned up by that yeah. inside. I was really pissed off. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Keith, do you really love these people? Because if you really love them, you would rejoice right now that the message you wanted them to receive a month ago, that they finally got it. You'd say, oh, they see the kingdom. They see Jesus. They understand this concept. Hallelujah. They got it. But you don't. You're not happy. You're upset. Why? Because you weren't the one. You weren't the messenger who got the glory for bringing the message. Yeah. So for a while there, I just sort of said, not that teaching is wrong, not that preaching is wrong. We do need preachers and teachers. I think it's still, it's very important. But I knew that for me, I needed to take a break until I could approach the teaching and the preaching part from a healthy place mm. that I didn't take more than I should from that. Like, in other words, I, I taught only so that the people would get it. And I didn't care how they got it as long as they got it. And yeah. I didn't, you know what I mean? I, and I'm not taking too much. So I, I'd already had processed that a little bit, even right about the time I was, we were starting the house church. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I started doing again, first, like I said, in the beginning, I was answering all the questions and the Lord said, stop answering all the questions. Then I started noticing I was doing this thing. It was a ping pong game where, so everybody's sharing. So like brother Bob shares something and then I have to respond and validate and tell a story about what he said and what that reminded me of. And let me do a little <laughs> mini teaching to your thing. Okay. Now then Mary would share something. And we, after Mary shared, I would have to validate what she said. Well, that's good, Mary. Cause that reminds me of another story. And this person over mm -hmm. here, blah, blah, that's good. And now, so everything was always, you know, this person back to me, that person back to me, this other person back to me. And I had to be the validator of every comment that was made. Well, mm -hmm. then I had to stop doing it. First I had to realize I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to stop playing ping pong with everybody and just shut my mouth. And just let people share it. If there's silence, let there be silence. I don't have to fill the silence. So that was the second thing. And then the third thing was, um, then the Lord, well, this was all Holy Spirit driven. The Holy Spirit was the one like telling me, you know, in different phases, yeah. don't do that. Stop doing that. So then the next phase was, um, I, I was doing too much of the teaching and the preaching and the sharing. So the Lord just said, you have two soapbox, I call them soapboxes, two soapbox moments where uh, and so in other words, choose, choose wisely. You can only, you can only, you can <laughs> only twice you. in the meeting, yeah. say something, give a little speech. And then, but That's after it. that you're done. So use it wisely. <laughs> and then, and then the final thing was the, the Lord just said, I don't want you to talk at all. Mm -hmm. I don't share at all. And so I would sit there and I wouldn't say a thing, but you know what? That was the best because then when I, since I wasn't talking, I was listening yeah. And I was also watching the faces of the people. So as somebody else is sharing, I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing how what they're sharing is, is impacting this other person. Mm -hmm. And then maybe what I could say is like, did that touch you? Or did you have something you wanted to add to that? Or you know what I mean? Like I could call out what I see the Holy Spirit doing. Yeah, That was the best because, because mm -hmm. what I realized was if I wasn't talking, <laughs> then the Holy Spirit had more freedom. And then I was listening and paying attention to what was happening in the room. So those are some of the processes, yeah. you know, that I went through. And then, then, like I said, I got the room completely and mm -hmm. didn't come back until they were sharing and that kind of thing. So, <laughs> so again, it's more about what I don't do. Yeah. It was more about like yeah. a list of things. Don't, don't do yeah. all the talking. Don't play ping pong. Mm -hmm. Don't validate everything that they say. Yeah. Don't, don't talk more than, don't give a speech yeah. more than once or twice. Mm -hmm. And then eventually just sometimes shut up and listen mm -hmm. and observe and yeah. see what God is doing. Yeah, the thing that strikes me, uh, Keith, about that is that you 
were committed to learning and listening as you go. Like all of these learnings came out of mistakes you realized you were making. They all came out of failures or like, oh gosh, you know, th- this is this is something that I need to. And I think that I think that's great because it undercuts our. We've got anxiety as leaders about like nailing it. And so I think even as people listen to you talk about like, oh gosh, how would I create these kind of spaces? There's already this anxiety that I have to nail it, that I have to do really good at it right away. <laughs> yeah, figure I, it all out before right, I start. Right, right. So I hear you kind yeah. of giving us freedom to say like, no, you're going to mess it up. And it's not like the lessons you've learned are like now the the four steps to, you know, like everybody has to do no. this. Everybody's limited exactly. to tooth, you know, whatever. Right. It's just It's just that your journey, I think, gives us freedom to and permission permission to enter into these spaces do a bad job maybe you know for a year or two yep. like i don't know you know yep. but 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 uh but be listening right and be listening and be learning um and discerning kind of what be. how god is at work uh in the midst of the space you're trying to create for the body of christ to be the yeah, body can, yeah and can i say cuz i think this is going back to the the what the whole theme of what you're doing now in this series is about right about about leadership and power mm-hmm. and all that stuff right so the model of Jesus is power under, yeah. not power over. And mm. so what I'm describing is these are just exercises. These are just different ways that I had to lay down, not yes. be the leader, not be the guy on top, but be the guy underneath. Yep. And I'm, I'm here in a humble way, to, even if I have to just shut my mouth and do nothing. Yes. I'm here to, to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to, to lift up my brothers and sisters to teach them how to hear the voice of God, mm-hmm. share what they have with one another, use their gifts to bless one another. And my success is when I see that happening and it has nothing to do with me, right? I'm not, right. I can't make that happen. I, I can't make it happen, but I can certainly stop it from happening. Mm. Um, so, that, but, but, so what I wanted to do was just create a, uh, to an environment where that was, was much easier for that to take place. That's great. And then success for me was just, being able to sit back and and have moments where I could see that hey this is happening this is this is going great and especially when you realize how hard it is and really how rare it is I had so many people over the years mm. who visited our house church who would say you don't know how rare this is I've never been in a group like this in my life mm. you know I've read books about it I've, I've heard stories about it but I've never actually been in a group where this actually happens on a regular basis yeah um, and it is it, sadly it is rare but I would love for it to be less rare I would love for that to be everybody's idea of what's, what a normal gathering of believers looks like. Yep. Amen. Amen. Me too. Yeah. Hartman, can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah, we... we amen. Yeah, I had yeah, to yeah. press the unmute button. I had the mute button on. <laughs> amen. We want... Yeah, we want this to happen. Even those of us in, you know, yeah. uh, Hartman pastors a church in Georgia. We pastor a church in Indianapolis. And we are in traditional church structures, but we are mm-hmm. working to recalibrate uh, those structures for this kind of power under that you're talking about, That's right. Keith. And so your stories are a blessing to us. Mm-hmm. They're giving us permission, freedom, imagination on how to continue to press into that. And I trust even for uh, most of our listeners who, you know, many of our listeners are pastors, but we have stay-at-home moms and uh, bike repair salesmen people. I mean, we have all kinds of people listening. <laughs> uh, wherever you are, uh, this, this can be applicable. So thank you. Yes. Thank you, Keith. Hey, if we are wanting to learn more from you, connect with you outside this podcast, how would we do that? Where would we find you? So my blog is my name, just keithgiles.com, K-E-I-T-H-G-I-L-E-S.com. That's on Patheos. Um, 
I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I also co-host a podcast called The Heretic Happy Hour, which I will tell you now is not for everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just have to say that because I've had a lot of uh, brothers and sisters come to me and be really offended. There is some language, not by me, but one of my co-hosts. Yes. Uh, we, uh, we, there are some F-bombs there. We, yeah. I think it's more of a ministry to people that, have, that are deconstructing. Yeah, yeah. They yep. either have already deconstructed out of the faith or are nearly Mm-hmm. feeling like yeah. they might slide off the edge, you yeah. know, and uh, it's, it's a way to kind of like uh, talk about stuff that most people don't talk about. But, to, but to, the, our, what we've seen is that um, this is what excites me about it is that people are being given permission to hold on to Christ, even if they reject many other things mm-hmm. uh, in okay. theology or doctrine or, or, or church or whatever, yep. that, um, that it's okay to question those things and doubt those things and, and wonder about those things, but you can still hold on to Christ. Uh, and do that. Yeah, you would Amen. you would think that people who were listening to a podcast that has the words "happy hour" and "heretic" in it would not be scandalized. Probably, All right? Yeah, the name, yes. the, the clue is in the name. <laughs> You're trying to help people understand. Yeah, okay, Keith, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for yeah, being here. Thanks. We'll put a link. Yeah. Thanks, Keith. We'll put a link to your book in our show notes, um, Thank you. so that people understand kind of where. A lo- I mean, it's really a th- um, a robust theological New Testament, uh, uh, I don't know if defense is the right word, apologetic, right, for what you're describing mm-hmm. here. And I think that we didn't get a chance to really get into any of that. You told your story, but your book really gives us a grounding and a rooting, and this has always been the people of God's story. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't something new yeah. and novel or trendy. This is something old and ancient and faithful. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So pick that up if you can. Thanks for being here, Keith. God bless you in Idaho, Shanghai, or wherever you end up. And uh, yep. Uh, we'll we'll maybe talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate Peace. it so much. Peace. Peace. See you, friends. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media too. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.